you are a child of God. And that song that we sang, Be still and know that I am God. If you look at it, let's go there. Today I want to talk about that. Be still and know that I am God. Because actually, when you were told about the power that we had, the dynamite that we have, when you are holding the power, you are in control. When you are holding the power, you are in charge. When you are holding the power, you need not fear anything. Amen? Because you are not ordinary. So let's go together, Mr. MJ, to the book of Psalms 46, 10 and 11 NIV, just to introduce our topic, but then we will go it from verse 1 as we go deeper. But I just want you to understand that in the busy world that we are in, with a lot of things going on around you, with a lot of challenges that you are facing, with a lot of projects that you are busy with, keep on remembering and be still and know that he is God. Amen. Amen. He is God. He is the Lord. Mr. MJ, <clears throat> NIV. He says, be still and know that I am God. What did God say? He did not say, know that I am God. He said, be still and know that I am God. It means you were distracted. You were busy with other things. You were shouting. You were that, that, that. Just be quiet and know that I am God. Sometimes, even if, let's say it's people coming against you, and you just have that time to be still and know that he is God. Doesn't that give you courage? Doesn't that encourage you? Doesn't give, that, you, give you that confidence? Continue. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. Mm -hmm. I will be exalted in the earth. Mm. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Did you get that? He says, be still and know that I am God, even in the middle of everything that you are going through. So each one of us, sometimes you find that we are preaching and now you're thinking about that, thinking about that, or you're at home, your mind cannot be at peace. He says, be still and know that I'm in charge. Be still and know that I am God. And he says, the Lord Almighty is with us, the God of Jacob is our fortress. So we are going to read it in two versions. Mr. MJ, you will do it in the King James Version from verse 1 to verse 11. I want you to look at how David puts whatever things that were facing him, he kept on having confidence in God. Whatever you face, keep on having your confidence in God. In my vernacular, they say, in other words, he is the pillar of my life. When you see me having this confidence, it's because of him. And look at David. David faced a lot of challenges, even more so than most of us. But he always had confidence in his God. So I want us to read, you read it, Mr. MJ, in the King James Version. Because I'm looking more for the word Selah in the KJV. 
Every time they tell you something, then you will see the word Selah. Okay? Which in musical terms is like an interlude. But in your studying the Bible, it's like pause and think. Because sometimes you read a Bible like you are reading a newspaper, like you're reading to finish. You won't benefit. So when you read the word of God and something is great in your heart, meditate about that. Stop and meditate. Amen? Because we could preach just on these psalms only for the whole day today. Because there are so many things there that affect you. But there's also the thing about the confidence that you have when you know who your God is. Read for us, Mr. MJ, from verse 1 to verse 11, King James Version. I will do it in the contemporary English version, CEV. God is our refuge and strength. And when you come to Selah, you must pause and give us five seconds. <clears throat> God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof. Selah. There is a river. The streams whereof shall make that the city of God the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her, and that right any. The heathen raged, the kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice, the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us, the God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. Come, behold the works of the Lord, what desolations he hath made in the earth. He maketh wars to cease unto the end of the earth. He breaketh the bow and cutteth the spear in sunder. He burneth the chariot in the fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. Amen. <coughs> Did you get that? Did you see the confidence that David had? David faced a lot of challenges. Beside him facing a challenge with things like Goliath and all that who were the enemies, he even had internal enemies, like Saul. How Saul was always pursuing him. His wife even mocking him. So he had a lot of things. But in all that, he kept on saying, my confidence is in God. What are you facing? And where is your confidence? 
So when God says, be still and know that I am God, it means sometimes if you are always distracted and it's that problem after the other, when I try this, things are falling apart and all that. If you focus on your things that are falling apart, you will be defeated. You remember the children of Israel one time, they were in the desert and they were bitten by serpents. The Bible says, Moses erected a fiery serpent and he put it on a pole and he said, whoever looks at that one was healed and recovered. But anybody who focused on his problems, they died. Amen? Ask your neighbor, don't focus on your problems. Look up to the cross. <clears throat> your help comes from the Lord. Amen. So in the contemporary English version, <clears throat> Psalms 46, 1 to 11, it says, God is our mighty fortress, always ready to help in times of trouble. Imagine you know God as your mighty fortress, and he's always ready to help in times of trouble. Have you ever been in trouble? Anytime you are in trouble, God is ever ready to help. And he's not just coming to help, he is mighty. Because sometimes somebody comes to help you, but they also get defeated together with you. But if my God is almighty, and is always ready to help, nothing can stand before me. And so we won't be afraid. Yes, tell your neighbor, I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid of the enemy. It says, let the earth tremble and the mountains tumble into the deepest sea. Let the ocean roar and foam and its raging waves shake the mountains. A river and its streams bring joy to the city of God, which is the sacred home of the Most High. God is in that city and it won't be shaken. He will help it at dawn. So when God is among us, I will not be shaken. We should not be shaken like people of the world if we know that God is on our side. Nations rage, kingdoms fall, but the voice of the God of the earth itself melts. Seven, the Lord all-powerful is with us. Who is with you? Yes. Whether you are facing financial challenge, whether you are facing its sickness, whether it's pain, whether it's what, whether it's people against you, that, 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 the Lord God all-powerful is with me. He is my refuge. I depend on him. He is my strength. He is my shield and my rear guard. Come, see the fearsome things the Lord has done on the earth. God brings wars to an end all over the world. He breaks the arrows, shatters the spears, and bends the shield. Verse 10. Our God says, calm down and learn that I am God. All nations on the earth will honor me. The Lord all-powerful is with us. I like that. When you see the confidence that some of us has, we are not having that confidence in ourselves. It's because of who is with us. I think sometimes ago, I gave this example. Uh, I think people who, yeah, maybe people who are to some extent a bit old among us, 
Yeah, because it happened during my time. I believe during your time over Bonka Binde, it also used to happen. There used to be this thing where what, what you guys today call bullying. No, there was no such things when we grew up. We were being treated. Amen. So, big boys would just beat you for nothing. Sometimes you find you are bald-headed and they just come and Having done nothing. Yeah. And it was not called bullying. These days you call it bullying. That day it was a way of making us strong. So, but what used to happen was this. If you had an elder brother who people know and are afraid of, then they would also be afraid of you. So, it would happen like this. Somebody who doesn't know you've got an elder brother who is strong and powerful, they will come and take a chance with you. Then you will cry and say, I'm going to tell my brother. When you tell your brother at home, the following day, your brother comes with you. Amen? And you go to that boy. And you are in front. The very boy who clapped you yesterday Today you go before that boy and say, come, I'm here, I'm here. Clap me. Do what you did yesterday. Do what you did yesterday. And the other boy would not clap you. Why? And why that confidence? You have the confidence because the big brother is there. How many of you know that if the devil clapped you yesterday, go with Jesus the following day. Amen. Go with Jesus the following day they try again. Amen. Because I'm with Jesus, I'm well covered. Amen. That's the confidence you should have when you are a child of God. Don't let the enemy keep on clapping you. As if you don't have a Jesus. Jesus is my elder brother. And he is my defense. And when God is among us, we are sorted. Whatever you need, God has it. So let's go to Zephaniah 3 verse 5. I'll do it in the ERV, easy to read version. Because our God is ever ready to help us and he always wants to help us. So that's why when he says, be still and know that I am God. And verse 5 of that Psalms 46, it says, God is in that city. And he helps them. Now in Zephaniah it says exactly the same thing. Zephaniah 3 verse 5. It's similar to Psalm 46 verse 5. It says. ERV. But the Lord is still in that city. And he continues to be good. He does not do anything wrong. He continues to help his people. Morning after morning he makes good decisions for them. Not a day passes by without his justice. He never gives a decision that is crooked or something to be ashamed of. So if you look at Zephaniah 3 verse 5, it's like a summary of Psalms, the Psalms that we read, isn't it? You see God being in that city. You see God being able to, available always to help us. God indeed wants to help you. God indeed wants to deliver you from the snare of the fowler. God is everything I need. So when he says, be still 
and know that I am God. He wants you to acknowledge him as God in your life. That word God, it means the self-existent one. The one who does not need help. How many of you know that God doesn't need help? So when you've got an issue, you know that sometimes we think, I've prayed for this, but just in case. And now you want to help God, as if you are his elder brother. Who was helping God before you were there? You remember the other time he asked Job? Job, when I was creating the heavens and the earth, where were you? Because all of a sudden now you think you've got good advices. So I want us to go to the book of Exodus. Because I want us to look at, when he says, be still and know that I am God. I want to share with you that whichever way that you know God to be in your life, that's who he becomes. Okay, let me repeat that. Whichever way that you know God to be in your life, that's who he becomes. Do you know that there are people in the world who just say, the man upstairs? Yeah, that's why he is nothing to them. For me, he is my heavenly father. For me, he is the Lord my defense. For me, he is the Lord my healer. For me, he is the Lord my protector. That's why then I get all those. Because that's how I know him to be. Let me make it simple. As we go to Exodus 6, 2 to 3, Mr. MJ in the NIV. Let me give you this example, the importance of names. You know, at my work, they don't call me daddy. At my work, they know me as the CEO. Yeah, and I command that authority. But at church, you know me as the pastor, and I command that authority. How many of you know that at home they don't call me pastor? Guess. Can you guess? Do you think they call me pastor at home? Huh? So it means, depending on how I relate to a particular, my name, I am a particular name related to a particular thing. So at home, they would either call me daddy, and mommy can call me whichever way that she wants to call me. But I'm known as daddy at home. I would be surprised if one day they call me, hey, CEO. And by the way, in our culture, you also don't call old people with their first name. I know in the Western culture, we call people with first names. Imagine your child in the African context calling you on first name or so and so. You will feel offended, even if that's your name. But that's not the relevant name for that time. So today when, when we started, we talked about we talked about mighty warrior, your name, Jehovah is your name. Okay? We'll do that song again when we're going to pray. So when you say Jehovah is your name, that time, it, it's in Exodus 15, it was the time when the Israelites had just defeated the, when God had fought for the Israelites against the Egyptians. And when they were defeated, Miriam took the tam tambourine and started dancing and said, Jehovah is your name. Great in battle. You are the mighty warrior. That's how she experienced him. 
Okay? So, I want you to look at this because this is very, very important. When he says, be still and know that I am God. And he says, Exodus 6, 2 to 3, NIV, Mr. MJ. This I will want you to understand fully because in your life, whatever thing that you want God to be, he is that. So make sure that if you want to know God, if you are, let's say you are sick, you need to know God as the healer, isn't it? Hmm. When there is turmoil and things are falling apart in your family, children, rebelling and all that, you need to know God as the Lord your peace in the middle of storms. When there are threats around you and people are intimidating you and people are threatening to kill you or to harm you, you need to know God as your protector. Amen. Amen. He is everything I need. So when he says, be still and know that I am God, it means at that particular point in time, know him as the solution to anything that you are facing. When I have a need, he is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, my provider. So that's why, read how he revealed himself to Moses. And he says, that's not how I revealed myself to Abraham. Read. Exodus 6, 2 to 3, NIV. God also said to Moses, I am the Lord. Okay. I am the Lord. That's powerful. I am the Lord. I am the Lord. Continue. <clears throat> I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. Mm -hmm. But by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself fully known to them. Did you see that? Repeat. Repeat for them. So I want you to listen carefully. God is many names. Okay? God can be expressed in many ways. Depending on a particular circumstance. So now he reveals himself to Moses as the Lord. As I am the Lord. And he says, that's not how I revealed myself to Abraham. To Abraham, I revealed myself as God Almighty. Repeat. God also said to Moses, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself fully known to them. Did you get that? So the question is, how has the Lord revealed himself to you? How do you know God? When he says, be still and know that I am God, what do you know him to be in your life? He says, I am the Lord. And that's how I'm revealing myself to you, Moses. And I like it this way. You remember when Moses came to him at the burning bush and he said, when God was sending him, he said, if people ask me, who are you, what's your name, what must I say? What did he say? He said, tell them, I am who I am. And some of you say, but that's not a name. It's a name. 
He said, what's your name? He said, I am who I am. And let me tell you the importance of this to Moses. Imagine God had said to Moses, I am God the healer. I am Jehovah Rapha. And now Moses goes and is facing uh, Pharaoh and the enemies don't want to release them. Do you need a healer when you are facing a Pharaoh? Uh-uh. You need a deliverer. So had God said, I am Jehovah Rapha, I am the Lord, the healer, he would have been found short when Moses was facing the enemy, Pharaoh. Okay, let's say he said to Moses, I am the Lord, your deliverer. Let's say he said that. It would have worked well when God was fa- when David was facing Pharaoh, isn't it, to be delivered. But in the desert, did they need the deliverer? When they were in the des- desert and they did not have food, they did not have water, would a deliverer help? Uh-uh. You don't need a deliverer, you need the provider. Amen. 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 That's why he said to Moses, I am who I am. At any time, tell me what you need and I am that. Amen. Amen. So even in your own life, what do you want him to be? Do you have a need? He is the Lord your provider. Are you threatened and intimidated by people who are threatening you? He is the Lord your protector. Are things raging against you and as if things are falling apart? He is the Lord your peace. So that's where we get names like Jehovah Jireh, the Lord our provider. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord our healer. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord my peace. Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord my righteousness. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord who is our banner. Okay? The Lord our banner, the Lord our victory. And then there is one called Jehovah Shammah. The Lord who is always there. Imagine you feel like everybody has deserted you. And he says, be still and know that I am God. I'm Jehovah Shammah. I will never leave you nor forsake you. So it means I will not now be saying, but everybody has deserted me, even the people that I helped, even the person that I thought was my real, my love, and that he has now divorced me and now I'm deserted. He says, I am. Jehovah Shammah. The Lord who is always there. The Lord who will never leave you, no? Forsake you. So that's why for everything that for everything that we want God to be in our lives, we've got to soak ourselves in the word regarding that. Let me give you this as you go to Isaiah chapter 53. This one part that I also know my God to be. Okay. So, have you noticed that there are people in this life, who, especially Christians, 
who are successful on a particular thing and not necessarily on the other. Hmm? Even in your own lives. Sometimes you find somebody is well developed in believing God for healing. They walk in divine health. When sickness comes, they know how to put sickness under their feet. But you find that this person is always walking in poverty. Things are not working well. He does not have the provision that he needs. Have you noticed that? So the problem with hero-worshipping people is that when somebody is successful on one thing, and now you think they will be successful in everything, then it's a problem. Because each part of the land that you want to possess, you need to tread upon it. It says, every place that the sole of your foot shall tread, that have I given you. So, even in your own lives, you need to develop yourself. I've developed myself in healing. Amen. Divine health. The devil knows that. He knows. I trust God for my healing. Amen. And I know only Jesus is my healer. He's my only healer. Amen. Yes, I know him as my only healer. Why? Because he said he's Jehovah Rapha. He says, I am your healer. And I accepted that. And I believe that. Amen. So, going to Isaiah 53, 1 to 5, King James Version. It says, Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? You see Revelation. So there are many things that God can do. There are many things that God is. But it only works for you when it's revealed to you. The fact that it's in the word, the fact that somebody else is enjoying the benefit of it, doesn't mean you will enjoy it. It has to be revealed to you. So the confidence that I have in healing, the confidence that I have about protection, is because I know him as my healer. I know him as my protector. Amen? So, he says, to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form of comeliness when we shall see him. There is no beauty that we should desire him. Isaiah was prophesying of the time when Jesus would be on the cross, wounded for our transgressions, being mad, even in his face, beaten so much, he's swollen and all that. You couldn't look at him. Verse 3. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. In other words, we couldn't keep on beholding him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Verse 4. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. So now, I want you to start thinking of this. If he has borne my grief and carried my sorrow, must I still bore my grief and carry it? Hmm? Some of you, somebody comes to you, you had a, a, a debt, um, an installment at a furniture shop, you were paying something, and somebody comes and gives you a receipt and says, I've paid it, and you keep on paying. That's what you are doing when you are keeping on carrying. When Jesus says, I have carried it. So it means it's, 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 it's illegal for sickness to stay in my body. 
Because Jesus carried it. I can't pay twice. Jesus paid for it. He says, surely he has borne our grief and he carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. Do you know that for Christians it's very easy to believe that Jesus died for my sins? Huh? But it's not so easy that he carried your sickness. It's very easy to say he's, di he's died for my sins. I know my sins are forgiven. That's why I don't have a guilt conscience. That's why after accepting Jesus, I've got this confidence that my sins are forgiven. So the same confidence that you have about Jesus forgiving your sins. He says he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. And Isaiah, in, in, in 1 Peter 2.24, he talks about with his stripes we were healed. So if I was healed, then I'm healed. Amen. And he said, Pastor, but what if sickness, if, if, if you're feeling sick? How do you say you are healed when you are feeling sick? I'm not talking my feelings. I'm talking about who I am. The Bible says I'm healed. And if God says I'm healed, who are you to tell me I'm not healed? Did you create me? Hmm? If Jesus says he has carried my sickness, he's carried it, and I'm healed by the stripes of the Lord Jesus, I believe that. Even if my body doesn't experience it as yet, I'll keep on believing it until my body aligns with what God has said. How many of you know that situations are temporary? Amen. The things you're facing are temporary. So imagine you take that thing and make it rea a reality. That's not a reality. It's passing by. So if sickness, by chance, is on your body now, tell it, it's time to go. You are not allowed to dwell here. Jesus has carried my pains. He has carried my sorrows. And with his stripes, I am healed. Amen. Amen. And speak it. Amen. And believe that report. Because in verse 1 it says, who has believed our report? Do you know that, especially if you are sick and you go and they give you a report, a medical report, yeah, they will tell you this is what we see. That's a report. So similarly, when you're sick, you can go to this and then you will see another report. This one, the good thing with this one is that it doesn't change. How many of you know that the word of God does not change? I'd rather stick with that. Because this, all these other reports, yesterday they tell you, no, you're so sick, your temperature is 39. Tomorrow you go back to them, oh no, your temperature is 37. Ah. So now you want me to stick with something that just keeps on fluctuating. No. I keep on going to the word and the word says I'm healed. Amen. Every time I check with the word, it says I'm healed. Whether my body feels healed or not, I am healed by the stripes of the Lord Jesus. Amen. And that's the truth. And I stick with that. So when he says be still and know that I am God, 
It means I have to know God who he is in every situation. Amen. What do you want God to be in your life? What are you facing? He is that. He is your defender. He is your peace. Be still and know that he is God. Go with me to the book of Matthew chapter 16. Because I want to show you this thing of knowing who God is. And that giving you confidence of knowing that he is the Lord. It's very, very important. Because there was this thing I used to ask people. There's a difference between knowing somebody and knowing about somebody. You know that? Yeah. Most of us know about the late former president, Nelson Mandela, but we don't know him. Just know about him. Okay? When you know somebody, it's different from knowing about somebody. So, look at this. Jesus had the disciples. He was walking with them for a long time. One time he asked them, who do you say that I am? I mean, we've been with you all the time. Do you mean we've been walking with you without knowing who you are? Go with me to Matthew chapter 16, 15 to 19 in New King James Version. It was after he asked, who do people say I am? Some said, you are John the Baptist. Some said, you are the prophet. Some said, you are that. Some said, you are that. Just like, do you know that even you, if you were to go around and canvassing opinions, who people say you are, Others will say, she's such a sweet lady. Such a sweet person. Such a nice person. Especially when you are in church. And others will say, ah, ha, you don't know that one. That one, the, her tongue is like a razor. That one. Then, then for me, because I know you as my congregation, no, she's so sweet. She's so sweet. She's, she, 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 she's very much in charge of a temper. What? A temper? Eh? Just check. She's the one who broke that window, fighting with the husband. Really? So it means sometimes we don't know who you really are. Is that not also the thing where people say, have you heard this one? If somebody intentionally provoked you, there's this thing of saying, he doesn't know me. She doesn't know me. You heard that, isn't it? I will show them who I am really. They don't know me. I want the... But don't give us So it means you are actually confirming that we just knew superficially about you. But we don't really know you. How do you want people to know you? Can you be the same like Jesus? Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. Wherever you are, may people know you for who you really are. And don't change like a chameleon with the circumstances. You know a chameleon, if it comes next to a white thing, it's white. Comes to next to a green thing, it's green comes next to a blue thing is blue. That's a chameleon. 
But may you be a person of integrity. That we can say who you really are. But sometimes even what people say you are, they don't know you. But your God knows you. Amen? Your God knows you. Now, one time Jesus asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? Some said John the Baptist, some says that, some said that. Do you know that there were people who were calling Jesus the son of a carpenter? Huh? During the time he was living there. Now imagine you want to be healed. And you call me the son of a carpenter. Do you think you can be healed? Uh-uh. Come and get your planks and go. Because you know me as the son of a carpenter. But if you know me as the healer, you will get your healing. So he now says, Matthew chapter 16, 15 to 19, New King James Version. He said to them, who do you say that I am? I hear what people are saying. But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Did you hear that? You are the Christ. Did you see? He didn't say you are Christ. You are the Christ. Because the word Christ means the anointed one with the anointing. The anointing. You are the anointing. You are the anointed one with the anointing. You are, you, you've got the anointing to break every yoke. You are the anointing yourself. The anointed one with the anointing. The son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. I want you to look at that. Peter and the disciples were always with Jesus. Okay? They knew him as Jesus. They knew him as master. They knew him as that. But Peter now says, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says, This was not revealed to you by people. In other words, you did not hear this from Matthew or Bartholomew or any other person. You got this directly from the Father. Amen? Yes. And he says, and also I say this to you, you are Peter. On this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. You see, he says, now that you know that I am the Christ, now that you know that I'm the anointed one with anointing, now that I, you know that I've got the power to destroy every yoke, I want to give you the same authority that you go out there and use the anointing that's upon my life. You know, Acts 10.38, how God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. So God also wants you to go around with that very same anointing. Amen? Go and get the sick healed. Go and preach the gospel and let people be converted to come to the knowledge of the Lord. Walk with that anointing. And he says, I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. 
whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. I like it in there is a version that says whatever you prohibit on earth will be prohibited in heaven. In other words, whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. Don't you think you should make some declarations and forbid some things in your life? Hmm. I remember during <laughs> during uh, the corona period, okay, that all that period, in my family, we had a declaration, and that's what kept us through. Amen. We take scriptures every evening. I've known the other children, they know that. Every evening, without fail, we were keeping on saying this. Sickness, you've got no power over my body. Coronavirus, you've got no power over my body. The life of Jesus flows through my body. I'm healed by the stripes of the Lord Jesus. Disease, germs, and viruses have got no power over my body. Because the life of Jesus is flowing in me. And I keep on speaking that. I keep on speaking that. I keep on speaking that. And that's why we are here today. Amen. That's what carried us through. Amen. Amen. So it means even for you, you can decide what you want to declare. So for me, I tell sickness, you, you are not allowed in this body. You are, you, are, you are prohibited. You know there is the thing where sometimes if people have got a nice loan or nice thing, sometimes they put a board and say trespassers will be prosecuted. So they are warning you, don't go through there. Don't you think sometimes the devil should see that danger sign in your life? Huh? It would even be more nicer. You know when the devil was, when you were not a child of God before, the devil would always do with you whatever you did. So you start, when you put your board for the devil, you start by under new management. So that he mustn't be confused. Because he, he knew that before he could do with you anything. Eh? Now you must start under new management. Now I'm under the management of Jesus, the Lord. By the way, it's so good to be managed by Jesus. Do you know that the devil mismanages? Yeah. <laughs> you would be 30 years and look like 80. Then you know this one is being mismanaged. But when you are with Jesus, you are 60 and you look like 30. That's good management, man. Amen. Well managed. Can you tell your neighbor, I'm well managed? Yes. So when we say under new management, you put that as the board, and then devil trespassers will be prosecuted. This body is not the temple of sicknesses. It is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Amen. I've got sound mind. I cannot afford to have stress and depression and be admitted for depression in hospitals. Okay? I've got sound mind. I've got the mind of Christ. Amen? You've got to declare these things. It says, I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you lose on earth will be lost in heaven. In other words, whatever you permit, it will be permitted. Whatever you forbid, it will be forbidden. So it's up to you. You've got the keys. Tell your neighbor, you've got the keys. You know that some of the people will be saying, I don't know what I've done. 
why things are just going all this way and I don't know and this and this and this. The devil knows you don't know Matthew 16. Hmm? And he will keep on waking you. Until the day you know, oh, by the way, I'm in charge. I'm supposed to take charge. I'm supposed to take authority. I'm supposed to say in the name of Jesus, you are not permitted. I've, I've got to take authority and start declaring and proclaiming what God has said. Amen? Because the disciples of Jesus, even though they walked with Jesus for a long time, he asked them, who do you say that I am? Which means we need revelation. Amen. Amen. So even if you look, imagine you don't acknowledge me as, the, as your pastor, you don't acknowledge me as the anointed man of God, whichever way, when you're gossiping. Now, do you think, do you think the anointing upon my life will benefit you? It won't. Just like the son of the carpenter. Hmm. So, even with Jesus, I gave you the example where he asked, who do you say that I am? Go with me to the book of Luke chapter 24. In this one, it was the time after Jesus rose from the dead. And he was walking and moving from Jerusalem to a certain small town called Emmaus. And then there were two people who were his disciples. They were among the group of disciples who were with Jesus before. But when he came among them, they did not know him. Okay, Luke chapter 24, 13 to 16, the Passion. Later that same day, two of Jesus' disciples were walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus, a journey of about 17 miles. They were in the midst of discussion about all the events of the last few days when Jesus walked up and accompanied them in their journey. Okay, this is very important. You know that Jesus can be among us, Jesus can be in your place, but you don't know. Huh? He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And you still feel alone. So it says Jesus joined them and walked up with them and accompanied them in their journey. They were unaware that it was actually Jesus walking alongside them. Ask your neighbor, are you aware that Jesus walks with you? Hmm? Are you really? The way you swear. Because this thing doesn't only, you see, Jesus walking with you doesn't only work with him defending you. It also work, goes with him being grieved about what you're doing. Okay? So, it says they were unaware that it was actually Jesus walking alongside them. Jesus walks with me. That's why I'm not afraid. Jesus walks with me. He protects me. He provides for me. But the fact that he walks with me, I also behave myself. Amen? Because he walks with me. I cannot put him off. You know, there is a certain church, very popular in the north. They have got certain kind of clothes. I didn't tell you the name of the church. So if you know it, it's you. I just told you the illustration. So, if you provoke them, they will tell you, 
I will take off my coat and I will show you. So it means their coat is the representation of really God. But do you think you can take off Jesus? So the time when you are showing people who you are, then where is Jesus? You can't take him off. The Holy Spirit in you just gets grieved. When you are doing all those things, he feels grieved. And that still small voice will say, no, don't do it. And you still push it. Says they were actually unaware that Jesus was walking alongside them. For God prevented them from recognizing him. So, after that, they were even telling him, they were talking among themselves. He said, what are you talking about? No, do, do, are you the only visitor here in Jerusalem? Don't you know, there was a certain powerful man of God who was crucified, and we, told, we were told that he will rise up after three days. And today is the third day. <laughs> they were talking with Jesus, they didn't know it was him. Yeah, and he was, he was such a good man. You know, this, this, this. And they were talking to Jesus, but they did not know that it was him. Now, look, verse 27 to 32. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he carefully unveiled to them the revelation of himself throughout the scriptures. You see what Jesus did to them? So he started now revealing to them through the scriptures who Jesus really is. Even though they were his disciples all along. So that's why you need to come to church on a regular basis. So that you keep on getting a revelation of who Jesus really is. So that when he says, who do you really say that I am? You can say, you are the Lord, my healer. When he says, who do you really say that I am? And you have a big need. You say, you are the Lord, my provider. When he says, who do you really say that I am? And you were scared because you were afraid of something. And you say, you are the Lord, my protector. You are the Lord, my defense. So he began carefully unveiling to them the revelation of himself through scriptures. As they approached the village, Jesus walked on ahead, telling them he was going on at a distant place. So he was showing them as if he's passing. They urged him to remain in there with them and pleaded him, stay with us. It will be dark soon. So Jesus went in with them into the village, joining them at the table for supper. He took bread and blessed it and broke it and then gave it to them. All at once, now I want you to look at this, their eyes were opened and they realized he was Jesus. Ask your neighbor, are your eyes opened? Do you know who Jesus is? Do you know that Sometimes our relatives who are not Christians, you even feel like pushing them because why can't they see? Because how can a person just be a drunkard and just be out there and think that's life? Do you know that that drunkard person think you are the one who doesn't know life? <laughs> hmm? They think you are the one who's poo. It's because the the God of this world, Satan, has blinded their minds. So instead of us getting angry with them, pray for them. Take spiritual authority over that and say, Devil, I come against you in the name of Jesus. I take off the veil 
that you are blindfolding my husband with. And my husband will see the light of the gospel. And you keep on speaking that. Keep on praying. And sometimes it's you children. Your parents don't know Jesus. Instead of fighting with them, keep praying for them. Go for the force that is blindfolding them. Because here it says, their eyes were opened. So, these things of, sometimes things happening and you don't know. I want you to look at Genesis, Mr. MJ, Genesis 28, 16, NLT. So it was the time when we are winding down now. We have begun our descent. Okay? We're not landing yet. We're just starting now. We've begun our descent. So we'll be, we'll be landing soon. Genesis 28, 16, NLT. It was the time when Jacob was moving and then he came to a place, he erected something, then he was sleeping and he started seeing, he saw, he had a revelation about as if the heavens were opened and things going up and down, angels moving up and down. And then, look at this, verse 16, Mr. MJ, NLT, Genesis 28. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. Yeah. Did you get that? Tell your neighbor, the Lord can be in a place and you are not aware of it. Sometimes you even move from church and say, there's no power there in, the church, in that church. There's no vibe. What do you call power? You, you call power because the pastor doesn't preach. Yes, my brother. Yes, my brother. And there, my brother. So when I do that, that's just shouting. I can do that. But it's got nothing to do with power. Yeah. Isn't it? I imagine, imagine the very same thing I told you now. And I start telling you like, yes, my brother, tell me. And that, my brother. <coughs> you see, that's why I, I'm not used to that. <coughs> so I like talking smart. Yeah. Amen. So the power is not in how much you shout. Tell your neighbor, the power is not in how much you shout. Mm. The power is about the authority that you have. I do the same thing, even at my work. The authority that I have doesn't depend on how much I shout. Actually, when our children grew up, I'm, I'm, I'm such a sweet guy. Okay, I'm talking for myself. And I believe Mami will also agree and abnend that. So, I don't ever remember beating my child angry. Like some of you even beat your child with a clap. You've got no self-control. How do you do that? Okay? You need to have self-control. So what I used to do, which even in many places I do that, okay? So smart, sweet as I look, if it's time to pull the rope, I can pull the rope. Smiling with you. Because it's not about frowning and shouting and all that. So I would say this to the children. So the child would do something wrong and I would say, I will tell you after church. I would say, don't do that. Daddy and mommy don't, don't want you to do that. You mustn't do that. But just because we just spoke, the child will test your resolve. Okay? Yeah, children are very smart. Push boundaries. So they will push a boundary. Do the same thing again. You know what I do? Then I would say to them, 
You remember Daddy told you this thing before. Still without frowning. Yes. What are you doing now? I'll grab you. No, man. If you've got the power, exercise the power politely. Amen. Then I would say, uh, do you know, do you remember what Daddy told you? Daddy doesn't want you to do this. And you mustn't do it. So I'm giving you a warning. Then he does it again. Then I say, okay. Remember, Daddy told you that, and the other time we gave you warning. So this is your final warning. So Daddy, after this, if you do it again, Daddy still has other means to make you listen. And we'll go for that one if you do it next time. So he does it next time. Then when I call him, I say, what did Daddy say the previous time? Then the child knows Daddy is not at fault here. The problem is me. No, you, you said I mustn't do this. And, and you said... Then I would say, okay, I'm going to give you three lashes. So let's agree on three. So you're going to get your three. So this is the way to help you listen. So that next time when I tell you, you must listen. And then they will get the three. And then from there they will behave themselves. You see, you exercise power without shouting. Isn't that smart? Huh? Isn't that smart? Imagine you keep on saying, you are naughty. And grab them. And that and the bottle beat. You are abusing them. Actually, people who behave like that is because they are not assured of the power they have. If you know you've got the power, you are polite in using your power. So he says, surely the Lord is in this place and I wasn't even aware of it. So, do you know that sometimes people would leave a place because they think the Lord is not there or they think there is no power? Huh? Hmm. This is how people, people, so for me, power means the ability to change things. So if I can be in a place and I know that my things are getting better, my things are improving, my things are changing, I'm in charge, then there is power. There may not be a shout. You remember, let me give you this example. You know this scripture in the book of Kings? Because I need to back up what I'm saying with scriptures. You remember one time when Elijah wanted an encounter with God? Paul says, there was fire. Some of you like fire. So there was fire. It's in my Bible. And the Bible says, but the Lord was not there. So tell your neighbor, the Lord is not always in the fire. Mm. And then he says, after that, there was an earthquake. Don't you think the Lord should be there? And the Bible says, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after that, there came Pastor Mukosi with a still, small voice. And the Lord was there. You remember Elijah? You don't read your Bibles. Yes. And then he passed and then 
he could experience the presence of God. So it means what you sometimes, and you know that there are people who actually, even when people face challenges. So <clears throat> let's, yeah, we, 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 we're really approaching our landing. But I want to take this Ruth chapter 1, verse 1 to 6. I'll quickly read it from the NLT. So there was this woman called Naomi. She lived in Bethlehem with her husband in the place, that name Bethlehem is the place of bread, in the place where God provided. But because there was a famine at that short period, she started moving away. They moved away from Bethlehem to Moab. How many people leave church when they face challenges? And that's a bad time to leave the church. <laughs> Imagine you are in trouble and now you move away from God. You become a prey for the devil. Actually, when you are in trouble, that's the bad time to leave God. You've got to stick with him. Because he's your only hope. So now look. In the days when the judges ruled in Israel, a severe famine came upon the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah left his home and went to live in a country of Moab, taking his wife and his two sons with him. So they were leaving Bethlehem to Moab because of famine. The man's name was Elimelech and his wife. Um, <clears throat> the, name, the man's name was Elimelech and his wife was Naomi. Their two sons were Malon and Echilion. They were Ephrathite from Bethlehem in the land of Judah. And when they reached Moab, they settled there. Then Elimelech died and Naomi was left with her two sons. The two sons married the Moabite women. One married a woman named Orpah, and the other married a woman named Ruth. But about ten years later, both Malon and Kilion died. This left Naomi alone with her two sons or her husband, without her two sons or her husband. Now, then Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had blessed his people in Judah by giving them good crops again. So Naomi and her daughters-in-law got ready to leave Moab to return to her homeland. Why should you first go and suffer harm in Moab instead of waiting upon the Lord in the place of God? They went there, she went away, she came back empty-handed. She was even saying, when people were calling her Naomi, which means sweet, she said, no, call me Mara, bitterness. Because things didn't work out for me. But who sent her to, to, to Moab? Tell your neighbor, never go to Moab. Never go to the world, even when things are tough. Stay until God comes through. And he will show the do. Amen. So I think for the sake of time, because I want to give us time to pray, I'll pick it up next time. We always have time, especially when you are the senior pastor. You can always have a series because you still have another time next time. So we need to land here. And when we land, I want us to have time to pray. Because, and uh, <coughs> worship team, that song that you started with, 
It was very good. Jehovah is your name. That was very good. And we're going to get that song again. As we are going to worship the Lord. Okay? And we are going to tell God, indeed Jehovah is your name. You are mighty warrior. You are great in battle. And I want you, when you are doing that, to be reflecting, be still. Sometimes you need to be quiet and just think about the things that you were facing. And now you think about this great God who is mighty in battle. And then we also sang the song, Be still and know that I am God. So sometimes when you are praying, so worship team, be coming to the fore as I'm talking. So sometimes when you are praying, you need to be still. You need to be quiet before God. Do you know that sometimes, usually people just pray, 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 and just bombard the heavens, you just speak, and you don't have time to be quiet before God. So I want you to exercise yourself in spirit to be able to say, after we say Jehovah is your name, great in battle. You speak words, but there should be times when you listen and allow him to be God. Sometimes when you are praying, even in your own, we're teaching you this even in your own individual life. When you pray, have time to be still and know that he is God. Have time to be quiet before him and allow him to minister to you. Because in your busy world, sometimes you will make a lot of mistakes trying to solve that and doing that and doing that and solving that and then you make a lot of mistakes. But if you can just be still, and know that he is God. So it means as we are going to pray, you worship God, you tell him who he is, and may he reveal himself to you. May he show his mighty hand upon you. May those things that were troubling you start melting in the presence of God. Amen? So we are going to worship and then pray together. As we say, be still and know that I'm God. So we're going to do the song, Jehovah is your name. He's great in battle. I like that. That's his name. Amen. And when I say Jehovah is your name, you are great in battle. Then I see that the things I'm facing, they are insignificant compared to my God. That's why I'm able to say, how great thou art. Oh Lord, my God, how great thou art. Amen. Stand up and worship. 